listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 130 of Cinemental. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Your mother's in here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. It was as if there were four razors cutting at the same time. Kill her, mommy! Kill her! We'll tear your soul apart! I've seen the exorcist about 167 times, and I keep getting funnier every single time I see it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Zan Godwin, Lathan Conger III. Our guest tonight, fast becoming a regular, is a storyteller from San Diego, California, living in Madison, Mississippi. He's an award-winning writer of comic book short stories and short films, but spends most days directing creatively as an ad man. James Ninnis, welcome back to Cinemental, or, as the case tonight may be, Scaramental. Uh, do 130, you guys are cranking this out. You guys are crushing it, man. That's wild. I was just here like a month ago. We were doing 100. This is nuts. <laughs> well, it was longer than that, but yes, I appreciate that. Well, that's uh, what happens when you do four a week, James. You guys are machines, man. I wish I could get it. I wish I could get them edited that fast and up that and up through. I have like way too many sitting in the can that I need to just get back and 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 sit down and do, but I've just got so much stuff going on in the last month or so that uh, I've gotten kind of behind again. So I need to sit down and spend a good solid, like two or three days doing nothing but editing shows together. And uh, that would get me where I kind of need to be, but uh, you know, there's always, you never know what's going to happen. What um, how's, uh, how's life in Mississippi these days? Oh, it's great. We, we got rid of the racist flag. Um <laughs> Congratulations. That, that was big news a while back. Uh, governor's still pretty shitty. Uh, and uh, COVID's not going great. But, I'm, you know, me and mine are okay. Beautiful. I saw you guys posted you were at the, what was that? A haunted, what was that? The haunt, the horror field? Yeah, or? so we were looking for something to do with the kids, like like a haunted house type thing. And we found this place called the Horror Field Trail. And it's just this lady who owns a farm. And for the last eight years, she's had a bunch of kids come up and turn it into like, a haunted house where you walk through and monsters chase you or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And we thought nice, so, but our dumbasses, it's our first time going. And so we got there when it opened. So there was no one else there. And it's in the middle of nowhere. And we passed this prison and all you see is this prison and fields. And my daughters are like, we're for sure going to die. Like this is, yeah, where are we this going? is for sure the end. And she's like, so dad, where, what's the website? I'm going to look it up. I'm like, Oh, I didn't find it on a website. It was a Facebook post. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and that's totally true but it was awesome ah. and they were great and everyone was super nice my son ended up making friends with the monsters who were like fist pumping them they, they made sure my five-year-old felt like he was being entertained not scared which i really appreciated right. they were they awesome. were great i highly recommend it the horror fields the haunted fields of horror or something google that shit coming from the coming from the midwest <laughs> latham and myself are uh, both very familiar with the with the october corn maze oh, yeah. uh, experience and uh, i've been to some pretty pretty crappy ones but i've been to a couple of really really good ones cuz 
I, I don't care if, if you've never experienced walking through fields of corn, it's a fucking weird thing. You yeah. know, and people make, you know, obviously there's been a lot of movies made about walking through fields, fields of stuff of that you can't <laughs> see over. And it's a very weird experience. Now, it's one thing when a maze has been all kind of tamped down sure. and laid out. So you're kind of walking through hallways. But still very disconcerting can be very disconcerting when it like you know you're just in this place and you're just like you know it's literally a natural hedge yep. maze yep. you know really but i mean if you've ever had the experience of just literally walking into a field of corn and you at any point if you lose your sense of direction you're kind of fucked you're kind of just like all right i have to go one way i gotta pick a row and just go with it. And I, and I, you know, and I have to hope that this is either going to end up at the place I, at the side that I came out on, or it's going to leap, you know, drop me off into the bowels of hell or something. But I mean, who knows, but, or you um, die, or yeah, something else will find me in the corn. Nothing and, good you know. has ever come of anybody just deciding to walk into a bunch of corn. Like I've never seen that end. Well, <laughs> the best case scenario was field Never's of dreams where they walked out. And even that was kind of fucked. Like I just, I'm good. I don't need corn in my life if it's not meant to be walked through. So speaking of corn, let's suffer from consumption. Uh, Latham, any chance you watched anything this week? I did. I watched two two episodes of Midnight Mass. And I'm oh. telling, you, telling you, this guy, this guy, Flanagan, is like, he's just a, he's one of the best storytellers uh, uh, making movies or tv right now he's just second to do I mean, second it took, yeah. took about took about an hour to, to get i mean not even an hour in the first hour but by the end of the first hour i was all in and then the second episode you're waiting for things you think are going to happen and they do or slightly do and it's it's just it's great it's a great great miniseries so far i'm not not done with it yet but we watched two of them James, have you watched it? No, that's the only thing of his I haven't okay. seen. Okay. Um, I, I mean, he up. is Bly Manor, Hill House, Doctor Sleep. Uh, but there's a movie he did called Hush. Did you guys see that? Yep. No, I want to. Hush is one yep. of the best simple setup films I've ever seen. The whole premise is deaf woman, home alone, intruder. That's it. That's it. It's just a guy tries yeah. to break into a house of a deaf woman. And it is so good and one of the most tense movies ever. Uh, Latham, you're right. Flanagan's one of the best, and he's only getting better. He's only yeah, getting. He and did you guys see the announcement today for his next project oh, on Netflix? Yeah, Allen Poe no. stuff. He's go. He's going to the House of Usher and other Poe works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants at this point. He's got five yeah. blocks for me. So. I think. I think it. That's kind of his his deal at Netflix has probably pretty much come up that way. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't wait for you to finish. I'm, I'm looking forward to your assessment. Yeah, I mean, just seeing Henry Thomas as an older man now is—it's just so strange. Um, that's, uh, you know, I know, I know he actually is older now. It's just watch—I didn't know it was him until like 20 minutes in. I'm like, oh, of course, it's someone who was in his last series, and he's yeah. used in every one. So yeah, he's, the- he's got his—he's got his stable of people that uh, that he goes back to on on his projects, and it's it's cool. Yeah, and his wife, I think, right? Yeah, the girl is his Kate, wife. yeah Kate Siegel. Yeah. Oh, this is his wife? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Kate Siegel's his wife. I think I think they met on Hush, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, she's great. Okay. 
Yeah, she's she's very uh, very subtle but good so far in it. So we yep. watched that, and I think that's pretty much looking on my stack over here. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We didn't really watch anything else but that. So we almost finished the nine eleven documentary. We got one more one more ah. installment of that too. So okay, that's been consistently good. Yeah, get on with it. Get on with it, uh, Hassan. Oh, I watched um, pretty much the typical stuff. Uh, every every week, I'm like, I don't need to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> and every week, I'm wrong. Um, Did I see the equalizer I, equalizer starting back up here soon? Oh, wow. probably. I haven't. I, think I haven't noticed. I, I I was watching something. And I can't remember why. What I watch or listen to. But I I kept hearing bumpers for the for the new season of the Equalizer, so I have to. It has to be something on on I one sure of the. No, Clarice ain't starting up. At, no, 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 no. It might have again. <laughs> you know what? It might have been when I was watching football. So it might. It's either Fox or uh, CBS. In fact, it was um, CBS. Okay, yeah, because yeah, that's that's their channel. So okay, it's, um, all right. So then I'm looking forward to that. That's good. That's that's a pretty quick hiatus, though. It was a very well, if it was a mid if it was a mid season replacement, I mean, they probably just right went right back into production. If they were green lighted for a season, they would go right back into production and just go right into it. Yeah, but these days, like I'm so used to waiting like three, four years for any show to come back <laughs> that when it comes back after a couple of months, I'm like, holy crap! What what what's wrong with these guys? You know, <laughs> this must be an act of desperation. Um, so yeah, so the lower decks. I saw lower decks. I saw uh, what if. Uh, James, have you watched any of the what yeah, if? I finished it tonight with the kids. Oh, okay. And Latham, you said you hadn't watched any of them. I haven't watched any of them yet. No. Okay. T three PO is behind it all. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just curious. Without giving any spoilers away, I mean, how, I, how did you feel about the fact that they essentially turned it into eight standalone stories? And then at the end, kind of turned it into one big story. I kind of felt like that's what they were going to do after the first couple episodes. It didn't. It didn't feel like a big twist or surprise to me. It kind of felt like that's that was the direction they were headed, much like they did with, with the first phase of the MCU. Okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of their modus operandi. Yeah, it's, it's surprised. Right? It's surprised. It surprised me. I'll be oh, honest. Okay. I, I didn't. I did not. I didn't see it coming because I felt it was funny because I remember making this comment to Hassan a few weeks ago about how what was, was the Killmonger mm-hmm. episode that that was that was the first one that really didn't end. Right. You know, it just kind of left you like, oh, here you go, and you're like, well, wait, that's not the end of anything. Yeah. So and you're like, well, what the fuck. But then it never occurred to me that they would come back and circle back and make all these part of this bigger story that they're doing. And I got to say, I didn't I didn't care for it. I, I, I didn't I didn't like it being turned into. I preferred them being standalone mini stories. I don't need the whole thing buttoned up as one big storyline. So but that was just I don't, me. I don't disagree with that. I also think there were some very obvious production issues like they they lost an episode which is weird but there's like a finished episode out there with with gamora and tony stark that they just decided not to air um where they're on the planet sakar and they were like yeah we're just not going to do that this season um and then what else is weird is they changed the order 
So if you watch him, the watcher, he gets closer every episode, except he doesn't because they switched the order of the episodes. So it, it okay. seems to me like the writers had a plan and someone in production was like, nah. And I think that didn't help the already kind of chaotic nature of what they were trying to do. You know what I mean? It, and so right. it, it, maybe it was rushed. I, I don't know. I wasn't behind the scenes, but it definitely felt like there was some turmoil that that led to a more cluttered delivery than I, th- I think they were hoping for. No. All right. Well, I mean, all that all that feeds into that. I, I just I, I felt that. I mean, I had my own thoughts about bringing the watcher into a more active role in the storyline, too, that I feel it's you know, it's like it's like breaking the fourth wall in a movie. It's like it's just not something you do lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you know, there, there should be a, a reason behind it or, you know, you should be telling the kind of story where that is totally expected you know you know like a deadpool movie here it just felt weird and that's i think that's just my old school comic book sensibility looking at this and going dude the watcher doesn't ever do anything except watch that's the whole point right that's his that's his deal so that's what he does sorry to derail hassan go ahead i don't even remember what i was talking about yeah you ruined Um, well you said um, what if Okay. What if you Yeah, but I forgot. Well, um well we were talking, you should have made a list. Just kidding. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. <laughs> uh, what if I black hatted you? I got shuddered. <laughs> I got a what if. Yeah. yeah exactly, Latham. Is your what if? <laughs> what, what if I left the podcast right now? <laughs> what if I we left get the... on with it? That's what <laughs> I, uh, another episode of uh, Evil, which is mm-hmm. cannot tell you where my head is with that show yet. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's just batshit. Um, the way you're talking, I, I, I'm anxious. To, I'm anxious for it to be done for the season so I can I watch it. I don't know, man. I don't know if you should. <laughs> I oh, really come don't. On. That, that sounds like it's right up my alley. It's, but you know, it's it's not necessarily bad shit because it's off the rails and it's doing all kinds of funky stuff. It's it's bad shit because it's promising you one thing and it's like, yeah, you know what, fuck you, you know, yeah. and then we're we're doing this, and so oh, you're so kind of like so it's Korean cinema, yeah, pretty much, because <laughs> it's kind of it set it up the first season. The first season's really solid. The first season kind of sets everything up like a kind of a I don't know what the parenthetical would mean. Uh like a like an evangelical or uh you know a, a, an ethereal kind of X-Files where you've got like you except like most of the team is uh is Scully. You know, most of them are like this isn't happening. This is bull. You know, and there's like that there's one there's one Mulder character who but even even Mike Coulter's Molder is kind of like that's ah, you know what it's very possible that none of this is happening. It's not he's not a steadfast believer who is frustrated constantly with the with the disbelief or the unbelief of his uh, his little squad. Yeah, um, they don't they're not at loggerheads with each other um, like uh, like the the earlier Molder and Scully dynamic was, 
and and Coulter is almost amused by all of it. It's like, yeah, man, what if this is real? What if that is the devil? That'd be cool, you know. And and so in the second season, they kind of they kind of toss out the push and pull dynamic, and they said, no, everybody's crazy, and and it probably is a devil, and you know, he's probably doing some wicked stuff. Uh, well, the show is called Evil. And the heroes that we got, yes, that's true. The, the heroes that we got to fix all of this, they're, they're, they're extremely flawed characters who probably aren't going to be able to save the day. But enjoy, you know? And so you're like, wait a minute. It's, it's like, it's, it's uh, this is also loaded. It's like watching the prequels, <laughs> but like, it's like watching them as if you, you were enjoying them. And you're like, and you're like, Palpatine's right there. <laughs> yeah. Like there's twenty of you in one room, and he's right there. <laughs> like none of you have a telepathic inkling that this guy is like the incarnation of evil. That you know, so that's that's one of the dynamics from it. I can't really, and I I really in all the stuff that I've just explained, I haven't given you one spoiler yet. That's how bad shit it is. You know, it's like I really can't spoil the the the, the show for you. But so I haven't figured it out yet, and I don't know. I can't recommend it to anybody yet. But hey, by all means, watch it so that I know I'm not crazy. Yeah, Rock Nation um, abandoned is behind it, huh? Yeah. Nice. And then I finished watching season six at last. I finished watching season six of the Vikings or Vikings. Oh, okay. Uh, which I was, I was very astonished to find it was 20 episodes of a, of a TV show. Yeah, I know that um, they split that of season. It, the season. Yeah, in spite of it was like a, a history channel show. It's like, wait a minute, 20? I got to watch 20 fucking episodes of this? So <laughs> it was, but they just, they yeah, and they yeah. just called it one season. I don't know what, I don't know what kind of tax yeah. <laughs> uh, shelter that that is, but because they did the same thing with Breaking Bread. It was two seasons. Yeah. They said it was one season. It was two seasons. <laughs> no, until they got to season five. Season yeah. five, they, they split them. So season five and six, I think, are twenty episodes each. Every other but season was ten episodes. That, I think all the episodes all were at least ten. Except this one, which maybe is twenty. The, it's just the, one season. The the furthest they went right. out was uh, fifteen. So you know, and look, Vikings is another show that's not meant to be binged because it is the narrative is all over the place. There, yeah, there's heroes that that become villains that are heroes again by the end of the season that are. You know, there's friends, you know, there's best friends and lovers and stuff like that who try to kill each other on a regular basis. It's, it's not Game of Thrones. It's not a, it's not a, a well-knit narrative. It's very good. By the time I was done with it, I was exhausted. I was like, well, you know, I've, I've seen the hell out of this shit, you know. Um, it sounds like a Xeno Warrior Princess to me, Hassan. It's not that, it's not that bad. It's not, okay. it's not nearly that, that, uh, that's cartoonish no no it's dense the vikings is very dense yeah but it's just it's it it almost seems like there's no plan like every season like you know how the modern television shows you watch them and you're like oh that and maybe it's a good show you're like oh this is this must be the narrative this must be what we're you know what the what the end result is and it's like, nah, I'm just like, you know, I'm going to throw in as many historical moments as possible. And I don't really care if any of it makes sense about whether or not these people would still be alive, you know, uh, in order to facilitate any of these storylines. And 
Um, some of the people in my show want to leave, so I'm going to give them these really heroic deaths, but I'm not going to set it up so that there's any kind of preamble to it or any kind of catharsis to any of it, you know, and I've got characters I've had for seven years that just got blipped out in the middle of like episode three of season six. And then we're never going to mention that character again, even though that character has been on the show from the beginning, there's weird shit like that, but it's, it's, it actually is a, in spite of all that, it is a good show. It's weird <laughs> to say that, but it is, yeah, it's, it is it's entertaining. It's entertaining. I don't know if it's good. Just like I said to Dolce tonight. You're going to watch the Netflix? Are you going to watch the Netflix? I might, but like I said, um, Michael Hurst's way of telling a story is a little too herky-jerky for me. Like, he he doesn't doesn't commit to anything, you know? He's like, no. I cannot explain it in any other way. It's like, no, you know what? Uh, Yeah, I thought we were having chicken tonight. Yeah, it felt like pizza. But you cooked the chicken. Yep. Uh, and yet we're eating pizza. And yet. Fuck you. You know? It's like, so wait, what happened to the chicken? I don't know. We'll find out maybe tomorrow. You know? So that's that's kind of how he tells stories. So I don't know. Um, I'm not going to watch I, this show. Okay. Not by your description. It would annoy me. I would try it if I were you. It's worth trying. It's worth seeing the first few episodes because, like, here's the thing: only for Floki, it's it's worth watching the first couple uh, seasons. No, Floki. He was my least. He was my least favorite character. Oh, as so he used to drive me up the fucking wall. That guy, <laughs> um, Floki. I mean, what, what could him. possibly happen on this show? You know, I mean, they just go around, they rape and pillage, and they do it again. Well, uh, that's the rape. most boring <laughs> I've ever heard pillaging said in my life. <laughs> Fair enough. What are they gonna do? They're gonna kill a bunch of thousands of people. They're gonna, village. Village. They're gonna burn shit. They're gonna go it's home. not. Yeah, it's like the Eric Viking version of uh, yeah, Eric dude. Viking hey, version. What are you of doing Vikings? this weekend? Ah, I thought I'd pillage or something. I don't oh, yeah, know. A little, little rape and pillage. See what the wife wants in that tone, and it would sound <laughs> shitty. <Yeah. laughs> okay, yeah, I'm gonna fucking play a dragon. Uh, I'm gonna ride a bear. Whatever. What they did. Bear. What they did wrong with it, and it's not really. A, I don't know if it's a spoiler. When a major character leaves in season four and it doesn't recover from that loss it tries like the really cool thing is that it doesn't lose any any energy doesn't lose any production value it doesn't feel like oh man these guys are siphoning the the you know the network is siphoning the budget of the show as we're closing in on the end it's still the same intensity and the same um the same pageantry but uh but just never recovers from the loss of that character. And the that that's why I say, like, watch maybe the first season or some of the episodes from the first season. Because the characters are what carry it. It really is. The narrative is the narrative is ass. But the characters actually kind of carry it over. Narrative is um, ass. It, the narrative is ass. The narr- I would I would just say, like, what these guys are like, are these guys aiming for anything? Like they're just throwing shit against the wall here. Um and making sure that there's a stab somewhere in there, you know, someone gets stabbed halfway through every episode, and the the audience is happy. It's a very weird show, but I finally finished. It. I watched it from the beginning. I finally finished it. I fell off at season six, and I didn't. It was it's so convoluted because of uh because of the way the History Channel like uh, doled it out 
that was that I had no idea where I stopped watching it. Like I, what season was I in when I stopped watching it? And I think way back when it first started airing, I watched the first episode of season six and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'll stick with it because it's, a, you know, I'll, I'll just want to see how they, how they resolve the story that they left off with that cliffhanger season five. And then I just kind of, kind of tapered off and I had no idea and then, you know, it was another one of those situations where months later, you're, you're listening to, you're watching the trades, you're watching the trendings on like uh, on Twitter or something, and they're still talking about Vikings. I'm like, is that season still happening? It's been like, you know, six months, I was 30. I was 30 when, the, when, when, when I start, when I stopped watching, like what, what's going on? And so. You re- then I when I when I booted it up on on uh, Amazon, that's where I watch it. I realized like, oh, that's why because it's a twenty episode season, and we're just not used to that anymore. So yeah, so I cycled through the whole thing, and I finished it. That's the accomplishment, oh. um, and that's that's about it. And I think that's it. And other than the two movies, didn't have a. Good oh yeah, and I saw Venom. I watched Venom. Uh, Let there be carnage. Oh boy! For the for the sake of Dolce, right? Um, yeah, that's. I think that's it. I think that's it. You didn't have a uh, a group watch movie this week? No, that'll that'll be tomorrow. It's either Tuesdays or Thursdays. If one of us can't uh, can't get together, now, we we did finish last week. We that is that is correct. Thank you. We did finish the Unforgiven. Uh, oh, okay. So we had to, we had to split it up because it was long. So we gotcha. finished Unforgiven, the, gotcha, the gotcha. Ken Watanabe one. Yep. And it was really good. Really good. I recommend it. Okay. So, uh, and with that, I guess we've suffered enough. As it is scaramental, uh, James has picked, uh, and he generally picks uh, uh, films at a crossroads of horror anyways, because he's that kind of guy. Uh, he uh, uh, has chosen... Uh, one of my two favorite films of all time as the, as his initial film pick, uh, people ask me what my favorite film of all time is depending on the day, depending on where I'm at, who I'm around. It is either the movie platoon or it is this film. Tuong Tuong Fu. (laughs) Thanks for the memory. Hassan couldn't even get through that. Wow. He <laughs> couldn't even. You know, he just, lost it, his shit by the it's third like the I'm not, the, It's like the end of the natural. He's like, wreck it. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> I am uh, all off my game tonight. I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, or it is this film, James's main pick, Alien. Some of you may have figured out we're not home yet. We're only halfway there. Mother's interrupted the course of our journey. She's programmed to do that should certain conditions arise. They have. Like what? Seems she has intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. She got us up to check it out. What kind of a transmission? Acoustical beak. SOS. I don't know. Human. Unknown. Can't see a goddamn thing. Ash, can you see this? I've never seen anything like it. It doesn't look like an SOS. It looks like a warning. Thank you, 
to you about your chances. But... You have my sympathies. From 1979, directed by Ridley Scott with a running time of 117 minutes. The crew of a mining ship returning to Earth are awakened early in order to look into a deep space distress call. Once they investigate, they discover a very unique creature, which makes them realize the call they heard should have been taken as a warning. James, why did you pick Alien? And uh, thank you for picking Alien. Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've, I've been on the show a bunch and I usually pick movies that are a little bit horror, a little bit sci-fi. Uh, that's my favorite. And this is this is kind of the one that did it best first um it's kind of the granddaddy of sci-fi horror um and i'm not sure there's a movie i've seen more the only the only one that might come close to this is is carpenter's the thing um but but i probably watch this movie once a year and always for a different reason um not just because i'm bored but because I'm, i'm trying to remember something about it or something i respect about it um it's it's one of the few movies that uh, that I've seen something new every time, and I've listened to a ton of podcasts on this. I've read a ton of articles on this movie. I've tried to do all the research and soaking up I could do on this thing, uh, and I still continue to learn from it. Me too. Um, and and it's equal parts respect and entertainment, and I don't have that for a lot of the movies I watch. Not both. Right. There are, it's a very short list of movies that you can go back to over and over again, where it kind of grabs you from the start all the way to the finish. And there's not really any parts or in the beginning where you're like, oh, I'm going to get up and go get a sandwich or I'm going to, I'm going to go get, get some ice cream and not pause it or not stop it because you don't want to miss any of it, uh, regardless of how many times you've seen it. And uh, I have a long history with this film. Uh, you know, this was, you know, and I've, I've spoken about it on the show numerous times in the past. Uh, when I was a kid, after Star Wars came out, I got deep into the whole filmmaking from the, uh, from the side of special effects and monster makeup and all that kind of stuff. So when this movie was coming out, they were very hush hush on, on anything that had to do with the actual monster itself until after the movie had come out. But um, <clears throat> I knew about it coming out uh, in 1979. I was 11 years old and I managed to uh, I was in the drugstore with my mom uh, at the corner at the at the corner store. And I had I had gone through the comic book rack already and I was over on the magazine rack and sitting there among the other magazines was the the uh, alien, the illustrated story, which was the Walter Simonson or Archie Goodwin written and Walter Simonson drawn graphic novel adaptation of the film uh, produced by heavy metal uh, sold uh, on, on newsstands. You know, it was like a, I think it was like a three ninety five cover price for this thing. And I, uh, I got my mom, I, I, I had a paper route when I was a kid. So I, you know, I, I had money, so I bought it and I took it home. And when this movie was released in theaters, I, I, begged my mom to take me to see it. And she's like, it's rated R you're 11, you know? And, and most things I begged her to take me to see were like, you know, like really bad, like horror films and stuff. And I'm like, cause like, I'm like, I'm like, look at, here's all the special effects. I already know the, and she's like, yeah, we're not going to see that. Uh, so my mom was a big sci-fi uh, old sci-fi fan. 
when she was a kid. And so she was like, you know, when I told her about this movie, what it was about, and she was, you know, she, she wasn't immediately dismissing the idea. And I knew I, I might've been able to have a foot in the door there. So I, uh, I showed her the graphic novel of the, of the movie and said, look at, these are the two worst things that happened in the movie. Uh, and one was obviously the chestburster scene and the way it was drawn. If you've never seen the graphic novel, it is a two page spread of the chestburster launching itself across uh, both pages. Uh, and then the other thing I showed her was the was the Parker and Lambert death scene mm-hmm. from the, uh, you know, towards the end of the story. And I said, I go, you know, because those were the two essentially the two bloodiest bits in the graphic novel. And uh, so once she had kind of gotten her head around that, uh, and she kind of flipped through it and, and, and read it. She, uh, she agreed to take me. And, uh, so I was able to see alien in the theater first run when it was released. And this movie made an impression on me, like absolutely no other, uh, this, this movie has stuck with me ever since, uh, I, I have been a, a tremendous fan of this film. And like James, like you said, I probably watch it at least usually at least once every two years at a minimum, I may not see it every year. And it just, and and I'll just, I'll, I'll randomly pick which version I watch. I do. I own three different versions. I own uh, the original theatrical cut, uh, the director's cut, which are the two that are most popular and most readily available on all the DVD box sets. Uh, I managed to find another cut that was online that someone had taken and uh, put together from one of the, the TV viewings. Uh, and so they had spliced in some other footage that was kind of leftover stuff and or you know stuff that they had dropped into TV when they took out some of the stuff from the art to make the the R-rated version more palatable to to being able to show on network television. Yeah, this movie is is at its core. It's it's a haunted house movie. Uh, this is you know, this is this is as base as, as it gets. It's a it's a haunted house movie in a spaceship. And but this is a spaceship. You know, one of the things about this is this was a spaceship that wasn't like any spaceship you'd seen before. This was a spaceship that was dirty. It looked used. It looked, it wasn't lit very well. I mean, you watch a movie like 2001, A Space Odyssey or Star Wars and everything is bright and it's shiny. I mean, the Falcon is pretty dirty, but, you know, everything is lit brightly. You see everything. And this is. You know, and one of the things like you're talking about, James, one of the things I found out digging into this was was Ridley Scott wanted to he wanted to build lighting into all the sets for all like the inside the ship because he wanted everything to be lit just by the natural light emitted by the lighting that he had built into the sets. So it's like you were shooting this as if you were just in this room. And it was lit that way. Well, I mean, obviously he discovered that he had to add some exterior lighting because there was just no way to really make it visible otherwise. But for the most part, that's why you see so much lighting in the backgrounds of so many shots that are built into like the walls and st- there's different and stuff around. Um, this was, uh, uh, I love this movie. Uh, I can't, you know, this is, this is a movie that for me is, is the, is the pinnacle of, of sci-fi horror. Whenever I, whenever I see lists every year, people's like, Oh, top 20 scariest films you need to watch, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, exorcist is very nearly always the top of that list. I usually flip through those or any of the magazines come out with their latest list of top horror movies of this year or whatever. Generally, if alien is not listed in the top five of the list, I completely disregard it. And I never look at it again. Um, I just generally feel that this movie still, I mean, for me, I mean, listen, there isn't much that scares me 
Uh, this movie doesn't scare me, but it thrills me to no end still uh, to watch this. Latham, uh, how old were you when you first saw this, do you think? Probably uh, 14 or 15. Okay. All right. What did uh, what kind of impression did it leave on you? Uh, I think I watched it right before I watched Aliens in the theater. I think that's literally what prompted me to go see it. Oh, okay. Because Aliens came out in 86, and I had not seen it. Before that, I had just started watching R-rated movies around then. Uh, I think Aliens may have been the first R-rated movie I saw in the theater. If I'm, no, that's not true. Uh, but one of the first with like sci-fi violence and gore and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's I prefer Aliens, um, but the movies are like one and one A. They're both brilliant and aliens brilliant for its for all the reasons you guys have talked about i mean it's it's suspenseful it's unique it it's um it basically you know it's a 10 little indians movie from you know right from the beginning or i shouldn't say right from the beginning right from the maybe one third of the way in and those are always yeah. they always seem like movies that are easier to pull off but this one's the one that has likely pulled it off better than any any other movie before it and any other movie since. It just, you know, it, the, the suspense it creates is is palpable throughout the film. The surprise scene in the middle, uh, if you're not ready for it and haven't seen it, uh, it's it's one of the best in cinema history. It's just like, I mean, you're you're gripping the chair in the theater, you're sinking back into your couch in in horror when it happens. And that's hard to do, especially with pretty outlandish premise as far as, you know, even when this movie came out, nothing had been done like this before on this level as far as how, how it was made or the amount of effects and sets and everything that were put into it. You're, you're speaking of the chestburster, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've been okay. Watching that. I, I, it's funny because I actually, in that scene this time watching it, I actually went back and I watched it three or four times that that sort of 10 or 15 second sequence, because the one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to watch everyone's facial expressions throughout the entire sequence and focus just on a different actor each time. Sure. And it was really interesting. And I, if you've seen this movie a bunch of times and love it, I would highly recommend it because the one thing I didn't expect and I, and I always thought that, that you'd go back on viewing on, on repeat viewings. And I just felt like not through any fault of their own, but I felt like at some point you'd get a hint of, because your focus is so not on them at all. Your focus is on anything but their faces. And even the shot of them standing there, you're looking down at the bottom edge of the screen where the, where you see the body at the edge. And you're, so you're like, you're not even really looking at them the first time. So if you go back and watch all of their faces, it's it's a magnificent portrayal by everyone. Well, they um, didn't know it was going to happen, right? He, he surprised them. Uh, well, there's there's uh, that was always the story going with it. Veronica Lambert was the one who was most shocked, mostly because she wasn't expecting to get sprayed in the face. That was what the her reaction is about. She wasn't expecting to get, you know, it's like the Jason Miller not expecting to get the vomit in the face. It was supposed to hit him in the chest. So, you know, you get that disgusted look by him when he gets the, the pea soup spit in his mouth. Yeah. You know, he wasn't yeah. wasn't ready for it. Um, 
But the beast, the beast within documentary, it talks about how they had to film it twice because the right. first time it couldn't get through the shirt. Right. And then the second time they had to do it more violent. So, I mean, they did know, I've heard that too, that they didn't know what was happening. They might right. not have known what it looked like, but they knew because it failed the first time. And, Scar- and Scarrett happen. knew about it because he had been shadowing Ridley Scott because he was really interested in directing. So he had been shadowing Ridley Scott and had been part of all the meetings talking about setting up the chest burst or how it was going to work, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So Scarrett knew as well. So, you know, there were guys that knew and they obviously they didn't know about it. Everyone read the script. But, you know, to be in that room the first time it happened, I'm sure was still, you know, an easy thing to react to. There's so many parts of this where I think you forget you know you're watching a movie but you forget that the person you're watching as they're walking alone is not really in danger that's how well the suspense of this movie is is passed on i mean it's you know it's supposed to be a spaceship in the middle of space and it's there's just i points of isolation in this film that are unparalleled in, in the history of cinema where you just you you are looking all over for this thing is it's you know, where is it going to come from next? And that's just, uh, you know, that's kudos for Ridley Scott and the way he directed it and set everything up because everything's set up in the first half. And then the second half, you're just, you're being dragged behind the car basically. And it's, it's it's really (laughs) great. So, um, you know, I don't know what else to say about the film, except it's, uh, it's kind of what um, Stephen James said. It's, it's easily rewatchable. You could just put this on at any time at any point. It's interesting. And those movies are rare. That's how, you know, you're watching something that's a classic. And uh, I, I love like just, you know, showing this to other people and especially people who have never seen it. I love showing this to my daughter. She loved it. And uh, nice. it's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's one of those rare cross genre films that, that works really well. Yeah, it's funny that you said uh, that, you know, not funny, haha, but funny that you say that you, you prefer aliens to alien because I, I, I find that there is that dividing uh, dividing line between people who feel like that they're that they're always going to say, oh, alien is better than aliens or vice versa. And I just and, and it's funny. It's funny to me as a fan of the franchise, because other than the characters and arguably location those two movies are so incredibly dissimilar they're like they i mean they're barely connected um you know because it's like it's like if you were to take uh jason Voorhees and put him in a romantic comedy and you would have you know jason falls in love or whatever um yeah it's connected by the character but it's certainly not a horror film and just like I don't feel to me, Aliens does not feel like a horror film at all. It's it's a straight sci-fi action film to me. I don't I don't get the scary out of Aliens and the oh. I, I I know I I know the arguments. Um, and I I'm not I'm not poo-pooing them. I'm just saying for me, I don't get the same effect as I get from Alien as I do from watching Aliens. Aliens is just just batshit crazy fun to watch. It's just it's a roller coaster ride. You pay the you pay the ticket, you get on, and you're you're on a road for two hours, and you're like, I'm never getting off this thing. Love it. 
but alien's different alien is uh alien is a murder mystery and you 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 know who the murderer is and you just like you said you just can't find them and you just expect them around every corner i think i think one of the things that connects those two movies and and it gets diluted as you go further down the films right but i really appreciated that aliens cameron treated the alien with the same amount of respect scott did and that he didn't change right. anything about the way the creature was created or its life cycle or anything else. He let us see what happens when they thrive exactly as Scott had done it. And he gave them a greater enemy. I mean, the first one we're, we're talking about space truckers versus arguably the perfect organism for killing, right? Space shark. The second one, the organism has already established a colony, right? Like they are now a fully functioning society and what do we do? We send in the military. So it's definitely not a horror movie. I agree. But I think the DNA is there. But then mm-hmm. one is a horror suspense film and one is very much a sci-fi action movie. Um, but I think the reason they work and they're not quite as jilted as like you said, like, like Jason in a romantic comedy or whatever <laughs> is because the DNA is still there, right? right. Like you right. can watch those back to back and it makes sense. Um, whereas once you start getting to three and four, which I actually like, and I defend a lot, you can see a lot of changes happening to the, to the myth, the mythos. Right. Um, and that's, that's a prerogative of the filmmakers and that's fine. But I thought alien and aliens did a really good job of living together six or seven and just presenting it in a different Um, light. I agree. Yeah, that's, a, that's, 79. A, that's a good way of looking at it. So 79 or 80. How old were you when you so first yeah, saw this? Either six or seven. It came, we watched it on HBO. I didn't, wow. we never saw it in the theater. So, man, the details of that night are weird uh, or sketchy. Um, I know, I know it was a compromise with my mother that I, gotcha. could, I, I could watch this movie. So, I, I don't know what I lost in order to be able to see the film. I don't know what I, yeah, I don't know what I gave <laughs> up. I don't know what. What the what youthful rights I I abandoned? Yeah, no, all that I already had given that up a long time ago. But whatever, whatever, yeah, your humanity, your innocence, uh... whatever perks I had as a child that I just relinquished so I could see. I'm pretty sure I always had nine fingers. I don't know why my friends were seeing it. My mom's like, "I really would like to see this movie." Let me think about it. And then, you know, for the, I guess I couldn't eat cereal ever again or something like that. I lost something. We ended up taking a nap. This, this is how, wow, this is like, yeah, 1980, whatever lightweights we were. We took a nap early evening so that we could be up late enough for it to premiere on HBO. And I think it premiered after 10 because it was a rated R movie. And so way back then, they wouldn't show rated R movies until after after dark oh okay but some mostly after 10 o'clock you know so i'm six or seven i'm not you know 10 o'clock is like it's like uh you know it's like a persona non grata for for a kid that young so so i'm watching <laughs> this movie and and i'm i never walk into a movie with any kind of bit, arrogance man. of like yeah this movie yeah. you know everybody says this movie is 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 tough to watch but i can get through it you know i i'm actually the opposite I'm actually like, every boy says, this is heavy, man. This is going to fuck me up. I know it. You know, and so, and it did, but it was a space movie. So I had to, I was obligated to watch it because it had Alice Space in it and, and 
spaceships and stuff like that. A lot of it, I don't, I think I understood most of it, but I didn't, the one thing I didn't understand when I was a kid is like, why are there so few people on a ship that fucking big, you know? <laughs> Without the swear word, of course, because my mother was hovering over me. But, uh, you know, like, why? how come there's no, you know, if they had maybe four more guys, they could have won this thing. <laughs> And you know, there's right. you know, there's there's a lot of that, that that's a very heavy movie for a young young person, right? Because <laughs> the enemy is supposed to be the alien, and they don't make any bones about the alien being pretty much a bad news. But the, the Ash thing is just completely out of you know that comes out of left field. Now he's he acts weird, he acts strange, but the whole movie is kind of strange. He's actually in acting in in uh in in joint with the with the weird atmosphere that the movie has set up so of course like all right and then being movie aficionados now we would all know yeah something up with this ash guy you know that guy's gonna that guy's gonna fuck everybody over but i mean when you're young you're like yeah but i'm supposed to be able to trust that guy because he's got the human face he's he's all right he's one he's one of us what's uh what's he gained by betraying everybody which is the one thing that I get it in Aliens. I understand it, but I still never understood. I, did, I never understood Burke's plan. Like, okay, dude, like you, you still got to get off the planet, dude. You know, <laughs> like when he betrayed everybody, it's like you still you still got miles to go, and you don't even have a gun. You know, and this is this is, you know, I don't I don't I don't get how, you know, maintaining your identity as a you know, as a corporate tycoon is more important than you being able to get off this planet without getting your brains, you know, blasted through by some alien. So, uh, but it works. It's, I'm not saying, I, I don't, I don't feel that that's a, that's a insurmountable hole in uh, aliens, but I, was, I always wonder when you watch people like, uh, what's this, uh, uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, where that guy betrays everybody. He he like locks the door and betrays everyone. It's like, what's your what's the end game here? Like, like if anything, if you were a soulless son of a bitch, you'd want as many people around you as possible to use them as shields. Right. You don't you don't separate yourself yeah. from the from the group. It just makes no sense. Um, and I learned that when I was a kid, when I went to go to sleepaway camps, like, you right. know what? I hate every one of these motherfuckers, but I'm holding on to them. <laughs> for dear life in, in the middle of these woods these it, it's as much as yeah, it, you you never see a zebra run away from yeah the herd. exactly like you there's a fuck fucking you guys. reason yeah. <laughs> yeah like i'm gonna outrun these lions on my yeah. own bitches it just doesn't work happen, um so and when ash is betraying people you're like what's the, you know and then you know they, they, fucking parker knocks his head off and you're like oh man like this is this is more than this is more than I'm ready for. Yeah. Why is his blood? Yeah. White? This is why is he bleeding milk? I like milk. Why? Why has he got milk coming out of? It's ruining milk for me. This is ruining everything. And um, <laughs> it's yeah. really trippy when you get older. Why does like, he have milk he on his head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like before the fight, dude's always drinking yeah. milk, and I was like, wait, wait a minute. What the fuck? Is that what happens when you drink too much milk? You just start bleeding milk? I am six. You guys got to level with me. Um, And why does he have seaweed in his body? Now, like the thing about the film is this is the this is pre uh, 
the pre way pre internet age. So there's no nothing stopping your friends at school from spoiling the whole goddamn movie, right? So I knew how the movie ended, you know. I knew that he was, you know, that that they they he was in the the after burners or whatever the thrusters, you know, and they blew him out of the the first they blow him out of the airlock and then he coils into the the attitude control and then they blow him out of that. So I already knew all that was going to happen, but you know, you talk about which he seems fine, by the way, without air. He's like, yeah, he's okay, like, yeah, just, just chill here, man. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's your question: Did he die? Probably, yeah. Like eventually, if if you look, they they burn him off the thing, but he's still yeah. Intact. I don't think that killed him, he but I mean, floats. he's probably you know eventually he's like, man, I really wish I had a sandwich. You know, that's that's it's a long. Yeah. He just flies <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. Wait, you're saying in the middle of deep space, no one just found him? Come well, because we know the queen foul, is alive. Foul mood. We know the alien queen is. Dude, yeah. she, she's perfectly all right, you know? And she's pissed. She's eating her own eggs. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. fine. Because um, she didn't even get set on fire. They just they just flushed her out of the airlock in Aliens. So yeah, And she was right above the planet, yeah, right? So, she probably just landed and walked So whaling yutani all they had to do is just look you know, fish around. There's a perfectly viable alien queen floating out in space, thanks to Ripley. But you know, whatever. Good stuff, though. I mean, like it's another one of these goddamn classics that you can't really. I I have no judgment for it. I can't say yes or no about it. I was surprised. This was again the, the a sign of my youth that I was surprised that Tom Skerritt died. You know. Um, mm. But then, as you get older, you realize Tom Skerritt always dies, and he's always like the bad guy. <laughs> like this that's one of the few roles where Tom Skerritt was actually a decent human being. But you but again, that's that shows your movie uh, naivete. Because I've I saw another movie, I think I, I was watching it with uh with Rosemary years ago, and it was actually I'm not gonna mention the name of the film, but as soon as Tom Skerritt came on, I was like, he did it. <laughs> and I didn't realize I said it out loud, and I'm like, oh, and it turned out he did do it. <laughs> so like, yeah, like come on. It's, it's, they put Tom. It's always either Scarrett or C. Yeah, exactly. Always. They put Tom Scarrett in the movie. They knew what they were doing. They they, they, they weren't even trying. Right. They really weren't even trying. Um, and then we leave <laughs> everything that Latham and and Steve has said about the movie. It it just just absolutely one hundred percent agree with. It's 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 a, the the tone is excellent in it even now. You can't, I mean, I'm, I, I have a very discerning eye, a very, you know, even if I love the flaws of a movie, I can find the flaws in the movie because I will tend to watch things like six or 700 times if I enjoy it. And I, you know, I get hard pressed to find things about this movie that are like, that look like a compromise or look like the budget was weak or look like, um, you know, look like it wasn't a piece of art, like it, that, that wasn't a deliberate scene. The mood of the ship is, like I said, the only flaw I would say, and it's not a flaw, obviously, is that there's only six people on a goddamn ship that, that's that big. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't realize that they were hauling, the ship that they were hauling was the massive size and their ship was relatively smaller than, you know, yeah, but, you know, and it's... There are some things about there are some things in the film that aren't yeah there are there are spelled out for you 
like you know just, yeah, just go tugboat for you you, you, you kind of have to just keep be, being there over and over again to kind of get it um correct and i think uh in, scott did the same yep. thing with prometheus you know there's a lot of like things in prometheus that are just like uh, it's like like he and they and and the way films are done now you're you're you tend to judge them f- like as a flaw because there are certain things that are just not mapped out for you you know and it's just basically just his way of saying like look the information is there if you if you're interested in finding the information you can find it if not that's not my problem i put it there so it's, that's not me it's you it's a and i like but i like to that point Hassan. i like how he seemed to know how those pieces would fit together if you were willing to do the yeah. work. Yeah, I mean, he no, that, that that's what I'm saying. You, know what you mean, can't really find. I it, it, aliens as well are two like really masterfully mm-hmm. put together films where you can't really. You the only the only flaw you can find is the arrogance of the characters, but that might have been the point, you know. Like the right. you know the attitude of like why did the Marines leave like take everybody and not leave one person on the ship in in Aliens you know well for A that's procedure B right. we do shit that stupid in our own time and C they thought that they were so well equipped that they were you know they were going to go down there with a mop clean everything up and then you know be back in time for that from a Total Recall be home in time for cornflakes and it it just did well, not I work out how- for them. You brought up a really great comparison between Ash and Burke. And I love how Ash, Ash had a great plan, which was just figure out a way to keep that fucking thing alive, right? Uh, but his inhumanity ends up kind of giving him away, right? He can't control, like, like he gets so frustrated at their, like, fucking humanity that his, his logic just makes, drives him fucking bonkers. And Burke is the exact opposite. Burke gets behind his humanity the whole fucking movie like you never questioned that this honest nice dude who's back in ripley the whole time he's like uh, he's like the bosom buddy yeah. but he has such a shit plan because his logic is just not there they both fail in the opposite ways and i don't know if that was an accident i can't imagine it was like you got to imagine they were like what if we had another corporate entity here but it's not a robot and he does the exact opposite well when you have a uh, and i really love when you that. have like three-dimensional characters you will, you will, you went inadvertently, or you know, just by just by act of of setting up motivations. If you have a three dimensional character and you and you have that character do something that's kind of against the grain of the, the the best interests of the rest of the characters, if you are a person that that sits down and maps out why the motivations of whatever that character are, you're going to come up with parallels that you know you you can mm-hmm. like obviously this guy was just a company man. Um, he was there to tow the company line. He wasn't a he wasn't a deep thinker. He wasn't a strategist. He was, you know, he he had he had money on his mind from the beginning um, because he's the one who he tries to stop him from blowing up the planet. Yeah. He's just a grunt. He can't make that kind exactly. Of but he also no he offense. also said it. He killed everybody there. You know, in it. You know, yeah. Um, by you know by by way of third party, whatever they call that accessory. You know, and. He, you know, I'm sure if I'm sure he would have stuck with the group if Ripley didn't go digging and find out, yeah, you're the you're the one who did this, you know. So, I mean, 
He even tries, he even protect helps her save the Marines. Yeah. yeah. When he tells get out of the way, you had yeah. your chance. So for when, him, you, and he lets, when you threaten his, yeah. when you, that, and that's what I never understand in any movie. And this is a mistake that every movie since the beginning of time has made. It's like, why don't we wait until we're safe before we threaten the guy that could fuck everything up, right? Because, like, if you're <laughs> on the ship or you're at space dock, after you've just rescued, you know, Newt and everybody, you got back to Earth, and you say, oh, by the way, Burke, I found a whole bunch of shit on you while we were in the middle of that nightmare, and I'm going to report it to the board, and you're, going, you're coming up on charges. There's no problem. I mean, yeah, there's no drama either. either. But, uh, but you, you, know, you probably don't run the risk of him trying to get you impregnated with an alien, you know, which is... As uh, as nefarious acts of of desperation go, that's probably one of the one of the better ones, right? That's one of the one of the better schemes that anyone's ever come up with. I know what I'll do. I'll just lock them in a room with, you know, with man eating aliens, and then I'll be safe. You know, uh, <laughs> and Riser, he was a he was a. And we don't have to stick to aliens. no, no, no. I, I know. I'm talking alien, but Riser was a comedian. Yeah, him, right? he still is. He still is. He was, I mean, I know, but I didn't know if his his career was stand up at that time. I will tell you honestly, when I saw Paul doing... Reiser was in it, I was mm-hmm. like, you know, he was in Beverly Hills Cop, and you know, he was he was the comedic right. he That's was the right. comedic foil in a lot of things. So you just completely did not suspect him whatsoever. Very disarming. They're great. Both of those movies are great. I tend to like Alien Three. Yep. And a lot of people don't. I like both versions of it. The the super the super weird you know the David Fincher. The sort of David Fincher, yeah, but that that he still disavows, and the and the theatrical version, I like both of them. Um, Alien Four, I I I can't get on board with. Um, <laughs> I, I do like those three. I think those three are solid trilogy um, for for Alien, uh, the Alien franchise. But this one, of course, it you know the other two are piggybacked on this one. They're they're riding the coattails of this one. This one is a is a two. now obviously Ridley Scott wanted he wanted his Star Wars. He had wanted it all the way back uh, uh, because he was supposed to do Dune and he wanted Dune to be Star Wars. And he and his, and his brother died and he 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 uh, he bailed out on that project and he never got his Dune. So Alien and uh, and also uh, Blade Runner were his. Like his the, his attention to detail comes from his affinity for the Star Wars for the for the for the aesthetics of the Star Wars franchise, and I think he surpassed it, you know, with uh, with Alien. I think, uh, and I'm also also he pioneers it because it he pioneers a whole new genre with that level of like science fiction detail um, as a, as a horror movie. Yeah, you know. Um, I'm sorry, Steve. What were you going to say? No, no. I was going to say he's he's stated that the three films that he owes the most to uh, when he put this thing together uh, are Star Wars, 2001: A Space Odyssey, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those were like the three films because it, it's like uh, the screenwriter uh, Dan O'Bannon, who had written the screenplay after he had been, I don't want to say disappointed, but <laughs> Uh, he wasn't 100 percent happy uh, with the outcome of Dark Star, which uh, he had done with Carpenter because uh, they were in film school together. But he said he just wanted to do a non-comedic version, right? He wanted to do a real 
straight up horror film. You know, he wanted to make what after the whole the yeah. whole debacle with the beach ball alien and all that. And it kind of got into this silly place a little bit. He 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 saw the worth to doing a space movie or movie in space, but dead serious, straight all the way through. No comedy. You know, that was the whole that was the whole point. And, uh, you know, this the script went through a number, a lot of a lot of iterations uh you know i've i've i have a copy of the original star beast script it it is an entirely different animal uh there are no characters uh first of all there's only six of them there's no ash character uh there's no characters with the same names the one interesting thing that they put in from the beginning uh and this has been around since the very first draft of the script was he felt that all of the characters were interchangeable uh, and that all of them could be played by males or females across the entire board. Uh, that was one of the notes that they have on the, on the, on the uh, character page of the Starby script is the fact that, you know, any of these characters can be switched out for male or females doesn't matter. So, so Harrison Ford turned down the role of Dallas uh, in this film which would have been yet another franchise that he would have had a foot in. I feel like he got enough. He's fine. Yeah. yeah. He's okay. He's doing okay. We, which is Ford. funny because no I one seems he... to hate their fame more than that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like true, he's right? the luckiest That's son totally of a bitch true. in the world with all so many franchises and he fucking hates it. Right. It's like, oh, I have to go to another one. All right. I think that would have been like, like, that would have psychologically destroyed people though the if he was dallas if he had <laughs> dallas and he got killed solo being stuck to a wall yeah halfway through the, the i mean well most people in 1979 didn't see that part but um but right that's the, the fact that he just you know you would totally be riding that movie with harrison ford you know especially yeah. after because that would have been after that would have been after star wars that would have been before yes raiders of the lost ark though um yes so remember executive decision sure remember yeah. how they announced yes. the Seagal was in that yeah. yes <laughs> that would have totally yeah. been fucking that died five minutes in <laughs> i remember sitting in the theater going double billing uh, you're like they oh. did that's exactly because, what would have happened if they had put him in as, as dallas because yeah, right? basically as dallas i typecast him he just looked yeah. like the type that would make it, you know, he didn't, he would, he looked like the type that would kill <laughs> He's the your hero. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if it was Harrison Ford, you would have definitely, you'd have been like, Oh, that's a fucking Ford movie. You know, I'm going to see the Harrison Ford movie with an alien in it. You know, um, just so we're clear, Lambert killed Dallas. We all agree with that. Right. Lambert. Yeah. Lambert with her fucking tracker. Oh, go that left. Wasn't working go right. left. Oh. Go right. She <laughs> fucking killed Dallas. Dallas yeah. was doing everything right. And she was like, you're going to have to hold still. I can't tell where you are. I was like, you fucking just fucked up. I hate her every single time. Wow. Because of that moment. Like, what would have been great is just before he died, he should have yelled out, you killed me. <laughs> you just fucking killed yeah. me. <laughs> Was she? Would she? This is just another great example of those details you were talking about, Hassan. She starts off as as a bit of a hard ass, yeah. talking a little bit of shit, smoking cigarettes, sitting on the outside. Yeah, she came walk. loose, and she's she just... she comes so unglued by the end that she's a yeah. hot mess. Because, dude, frankly, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Parker had that alien dead to rights, and she yep. just could have moved. She froze. She just could have moved, and watching her dissolve through the movie. 
from this very sturdy. I mean, the cat Das takes her with him on the walk for a reason, right? Like yeah, you're coming right. with me. We're gonna go explore because you're solid as shit. Except by the end, she just melts into this fucking emotional mess. She gets him killed. She gets Parker killed. I mean, she's pretty useless <laughs> fighting Ash. She didn't really do shit there. Yeah, yeah. That was, it's, it's, I mean, she did. She did. She did. She's the one who did blast him. But yeah, she did. Oh, that's true. Him. That's true. That's true. That's but true. it was basically Parker who saved Ripley because he just comes. Oh, Parker as, was the hero there. Parker yeah. was hundred percent the hero. He, he grabbed his chest into the meat. And yeah, I remember yeah. watching that. I'm like, that doesn't look like it should hurt as much as you're acting like it fucking hurts. Right. And then I remember that he's got android strength. Yeah, like, he's oh, an android. That's like, he's just he's like grabbing the, meat of the his entire chest. Yeah. out right there. But but let's be clear, Parker, yeah. Parker was the fucking he was oh, the, yeah. and, and Parker's far, the one far you away. Parker's the one you would figure is going to be the troublemaker because he starts off in the beginning. He's oh, especially the way it's set up. Yeah. Yeah. He's belligerent against everybody. Um right. you know, all about that and, money. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the money, which is why, which is why I think it's so great that he fights Ash. I love the fact that he's the one that's literally saving her from the company when his yeah. only interest is getting money from when the company. Getting money the right. entire fucking month. There movie. is a throwaway line though that uh, that Dallas has. He says no heroics to Parker. So obviously he does, they've been yeah. through yeah. stuff before. That's true. And Parker, Dallas his, knows he know, can he can fuck shit up if he needs to. Yeah, like right. Parker. Like right. like can we not have a repeat of the the you know the Berlin Which, in hindsight? <laughs> in hindsight, maybe you should have let him be heroic. Maybe. Maybe you should just put him. Parker. You should have put him on the motion detector. That's what you should have. Yeah, put dude. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Maybe Ripley. stop trusting Lambert with fucking anything when she's yeah. Put Ripley on it. Oh. <laughs> oh, I fuck that. Fuck Lambert. I don't give a shit. <laughs> By the time the alien kills her, I'm like, thank fucking god. She just think, when uh, I do <laughs> want to see a horror movie one day. One day, just one horror movie where like you are up against like insurmountable odds and you don't split up because I still don't understand that the, the strategy of splitting up if Ripley, if they have been getting the oxygen and Ripley had been down there watching while they were getting oxygen. They would have at least been able probably to drive the alien off long enough for them to get the oxygen back. There's no reason why one of them had to go set up the the, the, cat. the shuttle. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then go and look go for the, the cat. cat. There's no reason why right. one of them had to set up the shuttle while the other two went to get oxygen. But that is a that is a movie trope. That's not a flaw in this film. That's a that's a trope in general. And this is so. a trope before it was a big like this is early in the days. Yeah, of it being where it was okay. Yeah, it's like yeah, all you're, you do that now, and everyone's like, "Fuck you!" All you're concerned about is being <laughs> afraid. Yeah, now it's like, right. what, what, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know. Although um, here's a question I have, and I'm I'm genuinely curious if any of you can answer this: Why didn't the alien eat the cat? I've wondered that my whole life. Because it was, a, uh, they couldn't, it couldn't figure out how to open the thing, and it just like you know. Is that what you think? I, I, I don't that's know. the only <laughs> thing I can come to. <laughs> Honestly, oh, God, it, it, it gets right next to it. It fucking smells it. Right. And then it's, it just leaves it alone. Right. Why not kill it? The Why cat not was find innocent. a way into that thing and kill it? The cat had no sins. I don't know. The cat was not there's a some, sinner. There's something there. There's <laughs> something weird sinner. there. The cat was not a sinner. I don't know. Uh, I do, I do know good. in Aliens, they don't split up. In fact, the one person that they do send away it becomes kind of logical that they sent uh, 
they sent Bishop. A bishop? Yeah. Um, right. And it's a big deal that he goes. Like, he volunteers mm-hmm. to go. Right. So it's not. Yeah, it's, let Bishop go. Yeah. But it does. <laughs> he has to say it, like five times. He's like, I'll it, go. I'll yeah. Go. I'll, I'll go. go. Yeah. Because they're, they're like, what are you I'm talking the, about? I'm you the only go. one qualified to fly the ship anyway. Yeah. You know what's funny, Hassan? I never thought about this before until you brought it up, but they do split up at the beginning and it's fine. Oh, and because the, when they, they go when in. Yeah, when they're in. They yeah. break into the groups, right. but and they split up, and literally nothing fucking happens. That's when they're in the haze of their arrogance, right? They've got this covered. They've got smart weapons. They've got you know sharp sticks. Is a <laughs> what a great technique for Cameron. Going best. back to going back to how smart he was as a filmmaker, because that's when you think shit's going to go bad, right? Like yeah. the groups, this big group of badasses split up, and he doesn't let anything bad happen to anyone. You're like, oh, okay, we're good. Yeah, we're all right. Like you know? you, you, your guard drops immediately. Because he does what you should never do, and everyone's fine. As my last sidebar, the the scariest image in that film is the is the un, the half eaten donut. I don't know why that always fills me with like a dread. Oh yeah. In in aliens, they they just go into one of the offices and find a half eaten donut. Nobody like, leaves a donut halfway, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's like that. There's something that's you wouldn't funny. normally see. That, that's you know? your most telling uh, set piece. You don't put a donut down halfway. Unless you have to, because you could finish that while you're walking. Yeah, you, you could finish it, it and get up. It's not a Play-Doh linguine, you know? It's like, yeah. it's just a donut. Like, <laughs> take that. You got to be in some real shit you. to be like, I have to put this donut down and walk away from it. Yeah, it's right? just because a, it's a the emergency is that severe. It's a wonderful little set piece to say that, you know, whatever this, whatever happened, happened so fast. These people were not prepared for it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do, I do like, like as Latham said, I do count both those movies as one unit, you know? Um, mm. I think it's that good a sequel, but they, it can't be, you can't really overstate how wonderful Alien is. You really can't. And it's so simplistic. It's, it's the, 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 even the, the title is simplistic. You know, it's just alien. Like, uh, you know, like no. If it, it is, it is based off of the it, um, the movie uh, It, right? Nineteen fifty-eight. No, the, the it, terror from beyond space. They, Dan, Dan O'Bannon said he was he was a big fan of that. Yeah, right. but if you watch It. It's oh yeah, no, it's got some and, similarities, and, <laughs> and apparently they did alien. consider suing, but they never they never filed a suit. Fair enough. I uh, mean, that would have yeah. I mean, now it exists as this thing instead of some kind of contention, you know. So right. it's probably for the best. But it is it is if you watch that movie because we did we we did it uh, one of our movie nights. We watched it, and it's it is very much alien. You know, it's not well as well done at all you know there's no art to it whatsoever but it is basically the same premise the same set of circumstances happen but yeah great movie thank you (laughs) thank you for giving me the excuse to watch i was shocked i was i'll be honest guys i was shocked you hadn't done this yet this this felt like i was not gonna get it we try not to do like super major well as i said there's a lot of movies I mean, they're yeah. just you know, and and you know, it's, but alien. You know, this man. isn't. This is. I know, but this movie isn't everyone's cup of tea. It literally is. <laughs> I, I I agree with you. I'm just saying, with the guests that we norm with, we have. I guess none of them are going to pick Alien as their favorite film, oh, well, um, or a favorite, uh, or at least not for a while. Uh, Ridley Scott that said when he was casting Ripley, it came down between Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep, and wow. uh, both actresses had been at Yale together. 
And ultimately, Weaver was offered the job because Streep was mourning the death of her partner, John Cazali, who had just passed away at the time of casting. Oh, um, and, I have uh, had a crush on Sigourney Weaver since I saw the first Alien, and that crush has remained to today. Uh, if you go and hunt down a fairly difficult movie to try and track down called Madman from 1978, I believe it's Australian. I'm not 100% sure. It might not be. Uh, but it is the movie where uh, when they were looking at actresses uh, for the role of Ripley, uh, they were told uh, Walter Hill, who at the time was going to still going to direct this movie, had uh, been told that he should check out this actress, Sigourney Weaver, uh, who was in this movie, Madman. So uh, he went and checked out the movie and is where they made the decision to send her an offer to come in and, and try out for this, try out for the role. Uh, the movie's lead was a young man named Michael Beck who would then go on to star in Walter Hill's next film, The Warriors. So uh, he got a two for there. Uh, <laughs> him. Uh, Helen Mirren also apparently tried out for Ripley. Well, that would have been, she would have been able to pull it off. She would have been able to do it. Uh, you know, and you always wonder about actresses of her caliber and you have to think, that, like, how would that have altered the trajectory of her career? You know, what, what, what yeah. do you think that she just would have gone on back to whatever she was doing after making something like this? Do you think, like do, you think Sigourney, uh, do you think Sigourney Weaver gets Ghostbusters without this? Probably not. No, probably. maybe, uh, but maybe, but maybe not. You know, it just depends on other things that she may have been in. You know, uh, apparently Ridley Scott's original cut of this film, the first time he put it together, his working his work print was three and a half hours long. Uh, I have no idea if these were just like the scenes were just everything was long because even after he came in and did his quote unquote director's cut, which was which came about because apparently they ran across about 100 boxes of all the footage from the shoot in a vault, a film vault in London and called him up and was like, hey, we just found all of the footage from Alien. If you wanted to do that director's cut. And so that's why that was the impetus behind them putting that together. Um, but he came out and said, even after he had put together the quote unquote director's cut, which was really just putting back uh, a, a few scene extensions and a couple of things that people had seen on on uh, DVD extras out of the box sets that had come out in previous years, which was like the missing scene with Dallas. Uh, and there was a couple other pieces that were kind of like extensions of other scenes. Uh, he said he really he said, honestly, he goes, the theatrical cut is still the cut that I think is the best one available. He goes, uh, he goes, the director's cut is, a, you know, is a was a quote unquote marketing thing at the time. He goes, we just we put it together to, you know, so they could put out this this new version for the anniversary of the movie and, you know, have it be the director's cut. He goes, but he goes, I still feel that the, th the theatrical release was the best version of this film that we were able to put together. Which is uh, which is you know interesting and in a labor of honesty from him that you don't often really hear from directors. It doesn't um, add the director's cut doesn't really add 
no, anything to the experience. You know, it's, it's just, just a couple of minutes. Yeah, and the scenes aren't revelatory. It's not well, like and the Cameron's is, director's cut with the motion detecting cannons and all this other stuff. That's like the extra wow. footage with yeah. the family. And yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. There's 25 or what 27 extra minutes with the right. director's it's cut. Pretty, it's changes pretty substantial. Changes the whole film. You know, in its yeah. uh, in itself. But well, and that's that's one of the things he said when he when he added in the footage for the director's cut. He went back and trimmed some of the existing scenes by a few seconds because he felt that those other scenes he added affected the pacing. And in order to pick it up, he had to, he had to reduce it. Some of the earlier scenes that he felt ran on a little long, you know, that they just held a, held a camera shot on a little long. Um, Saul Bass decided to uh, designed the opening credits for this uncredited the, uh, the fading into the credits, like hieroglyphics. That's a Saul Bass opening. Uh, that was uh, that was one of the new pieces of information I discovered about this. That that I don't want to breeze past that because I think that opening sets the tone better yeah. than most movies. When like, I was a kid, alien, that freaked me out. That alien embraces its opening credits, and I yes. wish more films did that because as soon as those credits are finished, that slow pan and the letters kind of coming in, and the music just lightly yes, rising, your mood is fucking ready, like. For the event, the empty ship, for the the, the clicks yeah. and the pops of the computers coming to life, like you're desperate for it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it does yep. such a good job of letting the opening be a part of the experience. And mo- a lot of films do not do that, and they should. Yeah. So even though uh, Derek Van Lint is listed as the uh, director of photography on this film, uh, most of this film uh, or a lot of it was shot with handheld cameras, and all of the handheld camera work was shot by Ridley himself, but uh, by Derek Van Lint's estimation, he says probably 80% of what's in the final film, uh, it was shot by Ridley himself. And, uh, and Ridley, was, Ridley was very bothered when he went to shoot his next film because uh, he went to shoot it in the U.S. And the U.S. and the DGA have very specific rules about who has to handle the camera and who can't. And so he was not able to do all that camera happening with a with a director of photography on the set. So things had to change a little bit. Um, one of the other things I found out that apparently uh, during filming, as the as the course of filming went on, he took the walls of the set and he would have them pushed in a little bit each day so that the sets got tighter and tighter as they kept shooting and make every, you know, and just to give everyone a little bit more claustrophobic of a feel to, to what was going on. It worked. You know, yeah. I can, and I can that, honestly say that I, I, I am a super, super huge Ridley Scott fan. Um, and I've, I've, there's so many movies that same. he's done that I love, but yeah. I don't know if I would ever want to work for him. <laughs> just all the stuff I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd want to strangle him by the end of whatever shoot we were doing. Who would you rather who would you rather be in a film made by Ridley Scott or Billy Friedkin? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mulligan. <laughs> yeah. Mulligan. Mulligan. <laughs> uh, so one of one of the things that I that I did not know uh, but one of the things that I always noticed in this film, and I never knew why, um, that first when when the whole thing starts with with Ash and Ripley, and he's closing all the doors off so she can't get out of the little that 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 ready room or that, that little server, room kind of server thing. room. 
<laughs> the server room. <laughs> yeah. Um, she she turns and she's got a bloody nose. And they don't really ever say anything about it, you know, because then it's the next thing he reaches out for her hair and she pulls away and he's left with a handful of hair. Um, so why that is there, and I don't know why apparently he just wanted that shot to be left in the film, but that that actually refers to a sequence that they deleted from the final project, which was early on during the alien hunt. There's a scene where they end up trapping the alien in a, in a hallway and they're, they've got it right near the airlock door and they end up damaging it some way. And it's, it's blood, but then an alarm goes off and it freaks out the alien and the alien takes off, but the blood from the alien causes a pinhole leak in the ship and causes that, hallway or that 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 channel of the ship that they're in to decompress and they pass out and then when of course they wake them up and they're later on but apparently that bloody nose was due to the effects of the decompression that happened earlier on in the film and that's why that bloody nose appeared yes well there was a lot more dude there was so much stuff i found out about this time around of like stuff they like thought about and either completely discarded like there was a whole sequence at the end where ripley was going to be completely naked and the alien was going to come out and be like looking at her through the glass in like the door panel at her and then like looking at her naked and then looking at itself and like there was this whole weird sequence that was going to be of like the, the like comparing itself to her and like it was just, it, there's a whole slew of weird shit that went on. Um, there that was all the, weird. That's not weird to me. There was all the all the time. <laughs> doesn't seem strange at all. That's not weird. I do that to people I meet all the time. Just, <laughs> there was a, <laughs> walk up to them naked and stare at them. And, <laughs> I do that. I do that in changing. I do that at changing rooms at Target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty normal. <laughs> um, <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> That's how Stephen and I, Stephen and I met. Actually, I don't think the, told you guys that. <laughs> but the fact that they threw out all of the all the scenes and all the stuff that we're going to allude to any relationships that were going on uh, between uh, Dallas and Ripley, and Dallas and Lambert, and Ripley and Lambert, and a whole bunch of different permutations, um, then all that was at the end of the day just discarded because it just it just wasn't necessary yeah it completely was pointless a lot of superfluous stuff but i mean yeah um, if you if you tell if all these other things are interwoven it would be really hard to cut it, it would be hard to cut yes. all of that completely you right now so yeah, and then of never course, got a shot without the blood on the nose there's probably nothing exists without that blood yeah right. but also like you could you could argue the stress you know people used to get stress nosebleeds all the time you know yeah so of course of course you know but i mean yeah um, that's that's a heavy because i thought that he hit her and that we just it just that scene got cut out right you, you, you're saying there's an entire and, elaborate action sequence that that uh accounts yes. for it that's well, i took it from when she pushes him because there's the scene in the mother yes she's talking to the mother before she goes out there is contact she she hits him she hits him a couple times against the wall and then she leaves and in my head for some reason i was like she must have hit her nose 
yeah, when hitting right. him or something. Right. And so it, it was enough for my brain to never think. Correct. It just completely overlooks it. Yes. Right. Right. Because there was physical violence and a nosebleed. I'm like, yeah, great. But now if you look at Simonson's Alien, the illustrated story, uh, there are scenes in that graphic novel because when they so what happened was is uh, the studio flew Walter and Archie and one other guy over to England where Ridley Scott was shooting the movie. And they saw a rough cut of the film. And that's what they were. They were given that and a copy of the script. And they were essentially said, we're told, OK, here you go. Go draw your comic. Because they wanted it to come out at the same time, you know, roughly the same time as the film. It couldn't come out before the film because they didn't want anyone seeing what the alien looked like. But they they show they basically showed him a rough cut of the film. And then there's no vi- then and no then visual reference after that. So it's like everything that he drew into the comic was all drawn from essentially him, his memory of watching the film once. And there's a scene that's a it's a long argued over and fought over scene that he put into the comic of where Ripley comes around the corner and there's a there seems to be a box, a container sitting in the middle of the hallway. And she walks up to it and realizes that it's the alien folding had folded itself up into a box shape and was just there in the middle of the hallway waiting. And she takes off. And the next time she comes around after she gets Jones and she looks again, the box is gone. It's the box is gone. And people have gone back and forth on this over the years because, you know, they claim that this scene was never shot. This is nothing. And Walt swears up and down. He goes, I saw this scene in the movie. I saw rough cut footage of this. And it, it clearly was never in the film, but it's in the comic. So, you know, it's interesting to say the least, but whatever. Um, and then I thought the, the, the last little little tidbit of information about this that I thought was uh, was a funny, funny, funny anecdotally was uh, in the opening scene or not the opening scene, but the, the where they first find the egg chamber and Kane, Kane gets lowered down and they're using those blue lasers to create oh, that yeah, sort yeah, yeah. of effect. Uh, apparently, the band The Who was in the soundstage next door to where they were filming the movie and they were they were trying out equipment and they had these blue lasers that they were trying out for their stage for their show. And that's where they got the lasers to use <laughs> in the movie. They asked if they could borrow them to shoot the sequence. And that's where they got them. <laughs> Fucking who? So thanks. Thanks, <laughs> the who. <laughs> thanks the who uh and then the last thing is i never i never realized this before and maybe i'm a moron but as as we've gone through the series of alien films did you guys notice that all of these synthetics oh yeah humans are a b c d yeah except for they fuck it up with uh, alien covenant oh right the other one because he's not like edward or something yeah, but they're they're all the names: Ash, yeah. Bishop, Call, Call, David. Yes, and then it's like 
Michael. And I was like, well, fuck, who didn't catch that? Like, come yeah. on, guys. We all thought we had a great just talks in the slightly lower. We all thought we had some cool nerd trivia. And then Ridley Scott's like, Michael, (laughs) fuck off. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jerry. Yeah. (laughs) Meet my android Zed. Hello, I am am Stanley. I am am synthetic android. I am synthetic human Jerry. All right. That's uh, that's about as much as uh, I think we can do on Alien. Enough gushing. (laughs) <laughs> i know right goodbye yeah okay we go. all right james uh it is time for uh the martini with the fifth one time we've done ridley scott the first time we've done ridley scott so oh, this is going to wow. be this is going to be this is going to be quite the catalog to uh dip into now we've done him before have we i'm pretty sure we have. oh we did blade runner you're right yeah we did we did <laughs> let's talk about it because he's got so many good movies let's talk about his three worst movies i'll start legend Ugh, oh you're so wrong just garbage no nope. uh gi jane Blah. dude oh, are you kidding me awful and then uh wow oh, of course alien covenant we can't forget about that garbage All right, now you're just now you're just now you're just looking for reactions no i'm not i don't like those those three are subpar movies i don't like any of them. this is why everybody listening should go see crawl right now yeah go see crawl <laughs> Stop listening to the podcast and watch crawl. go rent tango and cash and have yourself a lovely <laughs> buy alien covenant on dvd and use the case to balance your coffee table <laughs> Wow. You would rather watch. <laughs> wow. Matt Stickman's good. What's his best movie? Best movie's played, Runner. That's no question. Uh, Alien's decent, I guess. Uh, no, it would be Blade Runner, Alien, and... Oh, I forgot he did Hannibal. Uh, Black Hawk Down's pretty good movie. I know Hassan loves Kingdom of Heaven, so yeah, it's going to be his favorite. Um, Black Hawk Down is great, though. Black Hawk Down is great. Martian's fun. Counselor's a weird movie. It's not great. It's just like, why did he make this movie? Uh, But it's better than the other three movies you listed. It's better than Covenant, Legend, and G.I. Jane. I don't remember. Come on. I just have to disagree with Legend. I just have to disagree Where with Where is this, Legend? But... Did I give that two and a half? Oh, I did, didn't I? Yep. Steve Hovecki <laughs> is this movie's patron saint. It's not that good. That is my review. <laughs> it's been in here in my review book for 25 years. That has been in here. That's brilliant that his name is in the review. Absolutely brilliant. Wait, wait, wait. What's your re- wait? What is the review for Brotherhood of the Wolf? <laughs> Oh boy. That's a good movie. No, it is not. That's a good oh, movie. Man. He, him and my buddy Carl hate Brotherhood of the Wolf and Nightbreed. Why do you hate fun? What is happening right now? Why do you hate fun? Why are you the enemy of fun? Like, <laughs> Brotherhood of the Wolf is just a good time. I gave that two and three. Why have you declared? Oh, did you really? Oh, okay. Fun. Great costumes and sound effects, but the story needs work. Uh, you know, it's, that's better than Legend. What now? And um, what about Nightbreed? Isn't that in your bottom fifty? Oh, Nightbreed's just—you got to go to the back of this thing. I mean, it's like where is Nightbreed? <laughs> Nightbreed is 
Nightbreed. Is it a half a star movie? I thought it was when I thought it was in your bottom 50. Yeah, it is the bottom 10. Only Steve Hovecki enjoys this rubbage. <laughs> that's that's the that's the Steve Hovecki holds the review the record for for name incorporated <laughs> in the most ru- movie reviews. In <laughs> We're sleepwalkers. Uh, oh, well, that movie was awful. Horrible. Uh, <laughs> I better not be mentioned in that one. That movie was <laughs> terrible. Oh, here's one for Squid Game. Ninnis will die. What does that mean? What? <laughs> that got dark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just said, wow. That's not good. Yikes. Uh, yeah, if I mean, for, for me, for me, uh, uh, top Ridley Scott is always going to be alien. Um, just because it's that my favorite film. Uh, he does have so many other, I mean, his body of work is way more weighted good than bad. Um, uh, you know, the movies that Latham listed as his, you know, it's, it's hard to scale them on, for me, it's hard to scale them on weakness or strength. I love, I, I, I like Hassan. I absolutely love kingdom of heaven. Um, there's just something, there's just something about that movie. Uh, it, everything just works perfectly. Uh, by the way, when, and I forgot to mention this earlier on, uh, do you remember the, in kingdom of heaven, Hassan, where the priest comes up and is like, you think making a man a knight makes him a better fighter? That I know what guy, you're going to say. I that know, guy was supposed to be Kane. Yeah. He came in yeah. and shot. He came in and shot for two days. Oh, the guy that got sick and got sick and had yeah. to drop out. And that's when they hired uh, William or uh, John Hurt. Which basically was like the launch of, of, of uh, no, no, that's Ian, Ian, Ian Holm. Ian, Ian Holm did it. Ash. That was, that was yeah. basically the start of Ian Holmes, like mainstream. That was his breakthrough yeah. role. What are your it's funny uh, how he starts he starts he starts as Ash and essentially ends it as Bilbo back <laughs> like talk about it talk about a transition a for an air path right you know? yeah uh, James what uh, give me your top few uh, Ridley Scott films Alien American Gangster and Gladiator real American Gangster really you know I'm I, a I, sucker for a good gangster movie and okay. that's you put Denzel in one. I'm kind of sucked in already, but but that one with Denzel and Russell Crowe, yeah, they were great. They were fantastic. I thought they played off each other really, really well. Inverse um, of virtuosity. Yeah, totally. I actually love virtuosity. That's what I'm bringing for late. Uh, hold on a second lay you telling me that someone to watch over me is a better film than Legend? oh yeah someone someone watch over me is a great movie that's, oh that's an underrated movie by far so is uh uh whatchamacallit uh, you know the two movies out of his catalog that stick out that i have not seen uh i just got a good blu-ray rip of the duelists i gotta watch that's a good movie but uh, I need to watch uh, 1492. Mm. Not good. Uh, that, I need to see. I need to see White Squall. Eh, 1492 redo. And Matchstick Men. Matchstick Men is good. 
Yeah, it's small. It's a small I movie. Think I've seen, and I haven't seen all the money in the world. Yeah, right. Black Rain's good too. Yeah, it's a good movie. Black Rain's a good early. I wouldn't put it in my top anything, right. but but that is a that's like the beginning of like the. Uh, the thriller a lot of bad movies he kind of very casually puts together decent watches like yeah. like good looking solid films correct now i i would i would say for me personally like kingdom of heaven is an exceptional film mm-hmm. from in my opinion and that's the film that kind of made me decide like i'm like you know i'm just a a Ridley Scott fan, you know, like right. no, I'm just I'm just gonna get behind this guy no matter what he does. He's had some misses. Like I didn't like his Robin Hood all that much. I think it's a Same. good movie, but it was a little aimless. And uh, you know, but it did introduce me to Oscar Isaac, um, which uh, you <laughs> oh, know, which is which has paid dividends ever since. But um, and the Martian, the Martian's just a casually fucking well done movie. It was a better book. But if you're going to translate yeah. it into a movie, especially one of these like super accelerated Hollywood just decided that this book, that this guy is the author of this particular book that we all want to buy so that we can make a, you know, a really quick uh, buck off of it. And then they gave it to uh, Ridley Scott and even his little, you know, fast shuffle McDonald's movie is a brilliant movie, you know, because it like the accelerated process about how they, they bought the rights to that film and then just got yeah. that film made is it should have been it, in any, in the hands of anyone else, it would have been a disaster. And, you know, but you got like Matt Damon, everybody's just like, yeah. Amazing cast. Everybody was just casually great in that film, you know? So, and it's funny. I walked out of the theater for that movie or no, I finished watching that movie. And because I would not have seen it in the theater because it's 2015. And the only movie I've seen yeah. in the theater in 2015 was Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, the uh, when I walked out of that, I don't want to say I was disappointed. I just it took me time to realize how good it was. And now I say I've probably watched The Martian at least five or six times. I've probably seen it all the way through five or six times. Uh, yeah. in, in, in addition to catching it halfway through and just sitting there and watching the last hour or the last or the first hour, whatever. Um, yeah, it's 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 a great movie. It's a it's just it's a, a, it's it's a, a good movie just to sit, watch and enjoy. It's a casually good movie, too. It's like and, it doesn't really try that hard with you. You know, if it just, you were to come on if you were to come upon the book after seeing the movie you'll enjoy it so much more because there's literally so much more in the book about everything. He gets all the high points in, he gets everything in there, but there's so much more detail about every aspect and everything that happens, including a couple of set pieces that they did leave out for space. Uh, But, and some of it, some of it's wrong. Like that he is, that he said later, like, there would never be a storm on Mars because there's no atmosphere. There's there's hardly any atmosphere for you to be able to kick up a storm. But who cares? You know, like we're watching a we're right. watching a goddamn movie. You know, yeah, like the guy trapped on Mars. Hello. Yeah, right. you know, and it's it's a it's a. It, I think next to Kingdom of Heaven is my favorite Ridley Scott movie. It was just wow. so like, and I had heard everything about it. You know, 
um, as an aspiring author, also like just hearing about like someone who had self-published the book and every and and you know just this the the just the the, the heavens open up for this guy. Um, what's his name? Uh, Weir. Uh, Weir. Yeah, Andy Weir. And you know, and then of course he's a great guy. You know, it's, well he interviews really well. I don't know what kind of guy he is personally, <laughs> but um, and so you know you watch this movie with the all right. Let me just watch his. You know this, this, uh, this, and it's just a casually. Uh, the only way I could describe it, it's a casually good movie. Like it's just really, it's just a, it's an old fashioned like an eighties movie because it's, it's it's all feel good. It's all you know. It's it's all based on tension. I remember the Karate Kid, which we covered here, and I remember they gave away the ending of the Karate Kid in the trailer in the in one of the in one of the TV um spots for it where right. it's like the end of the karate kid you would be standing up and cheering and it's like well obviously he wins then you know like if <laughs> i'm not gonna cheer if he loses That's and so but you just don't it's done so well you don't care you know you're you're just invested so that's it's another one of those like you know he's gonna get off that it's just not that kind of movie where he just never comes home again but it's just the process of what he does to get off that planet and to um and and cast away yeah exactly you know he's getting off the island but i think i think really scott is is such a technically exceptional director that sometimes he's taking it for granted like i i there's no movie ridley scott makes where it's not technically done in an exceptional way i mean you can hate prometheus but it's well fucking shot that is a good looking movie you can hate alien covenant and that's yeah. a that's that's a good looking movie. Like he knows how to direct a film. It's it's well edited. He might have story beat issues where he doesn't he doesn't work with his writers exceptionally well all the time. But I, I'd say more often than not, really, Scott's a hit, not a miss. I'd say that's what happened in, in my opinion for me. I'd say that's what happened with Prometheus. It's just like mm-hmm. the the third act of that movie just kind of folds, you know, um, because the setup to all of it is just brilliant you know it's wonderful and uh all the way up to the till uh what's his name the the two guys get stuck in a cave you know and it's like oh we see something something's there with you you know like this is this is just like oh this is gonna this is gonna knock me over and it and it just it 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 expands itself on the stupidity of characters, which I always hate. That's a plot point I always hate. It's like, oh, I take my spacesuit off, you know, like, <laughs> no. Hey, no, what, if you, uh, what if you didn't take your spacesuit off? I'm gonna play now? with an oh. alien, you know. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let this alien wrap itself around me. What's yeah. the worst that could happen? So, uh, James, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks again, you guys. Love, uh, love chatting with you. Good night, guys. See All you, buddy. Right, Talk to you soon. Night, Thanks, pal. James. So thanks to Fesleyan Studios for our intro music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For James Ninnis, Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and caretaker of a haunted house in space, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.